You've probably heard the phrase, it's all in your head, or you're just too in your head about it. But is there some truth in that? With all those anxious thoughts swirling around in your head, it's hard to concentrate. One negative thought leads to 20 other anxious thoughts, and then you're trying to sort out in your mind why you're constantly thinking the way that you do. You may hate hearing those phrases, but you can probably physically feel the truth of those phrases and the heaviness in your overcharged brain. Medical doctor and clinical hypnotherapist Ann Balkansky says all of us tend to lead with our thinking mind, but that's only about 10% of who you are. And she's sharing one way to tap into the much bigger part of you, the smarter, more wise side of you that has more answers to help tackle this jealousy thing. Welcome to Top Self, the podcast dedicated to relax your mind, achieve change, and become a healthier, more present you. Are you ready to move past the daily anxiety, comparing and doubting yourself, and feeling like you're not enough? I'm your host, Shannon Bryant, and I've ruined many good relationships because of my jealousy and stayed way too long in some bad ones because of my insecurity. But I stopped letting fear drive my actions, and now I can't wait to share with you as I dive into these emotions, shed light on how they might be impacting your life, and uncover strategies to break free from their grip. It's time to start living a life of confidence. So get ready to ignite your self-worth and transform your life because my friend, you are worthy. Tell us what you mostly focus on and what your practice is. So I am a medical doctor as well as a transpersonal and clinical hypnotherapist. So I basically help people mainly overcome self-sabotage, limiting beliefs, and I target the subconscious mind to help them overcome any emotions or behaviors that could be getting away in really any area within their life. But I do that while they're in a very nice, comfortable trance, (laughs) which is hypnosis. (laughs) Yes. And when they're in this state, you're really going into their subconscious mind and trying to pull some things from there. Why is it so important to go there versus just our working mind? The difference between like what I do versus maybe even like the traditional model is I communicate directly with the feeling body. That's another way of explaining the subconscious mind. We have two aspects of our mind. We have this thinking mind, which is the thinking, the thoughts that you have up there that you'll tend to try to run the show. (laughs) You know, you can hear that voice. It usually comes through as your voice. And it is just 10% of who we are. It's It's not really the main... I like to see it like if you were to think of the ship, the captain at the very front tends to be that thinking mind. It's very obvious. It, you know, really tries to dictate all the workers in the back of the ship. And the subconscious mind really is the engine room. It is all the workers on the ship actually making it go. (laughs) So subconscious mind is the body. It is the communication system that really tells us what is really going on. You say that's just 10% and the rest of it is kind of buried in that subconscious mind, one, why is that? And two, does that mean that most of the things that we think or feel or the way that we behave isn't the full story? So 
how I'd like to think about the thinking mind. It is, it is a part of who we are and it is a very important part of who we are, but it's not all of who we are. And what we tend to do is we tend to put more attention in that and it can get in the way of making appropriate decisions or if we overthink things, it can definitely get in the way. The body is definitely more of who we are. The subconscious mind is more of who we are. And I like to say, like, we need to create a good friendship with our thinking mind and our subconscious mind and understand really which part of you really has more of the answers and knows how to maybe handle a situation. So it's kind of like walking into a room. If I walked into a room with a bunch of people and I could, you can instantly feel like something is off. Like my gut feeling is telling me so much more. My feeling body is telling me so much more than my thinking mind. So what will my thinking mind do? My thinking mind will over-rationalize and be like, do I have like, am I wearing some weird clothes? Like, why are people like, why are they looking like this or acting like this? Or are they mad at me? Like, what did I do? And and so we immediately like target ourselves and overthink things and overjudgment things when really there's just something, something bad maybe happened. And our body is like telling us, but we tend to like bring it upon ourselves. <laughs> so there's these two parts of us and they're not bad And we mostly get trained to listen to the thinking mind than the body mind, the subconscious mind. It holds all the memory. For example, because you asked, why is it important? So let's say you were to hear maybe a song and that song was a happy song and it reminded you immediately of uh, an event that you went to. You know, you get flashes immediately in your mind about that event and you even start to feel those good feelings immediately because of that song. And it's the same thing like listening to a breakup song. <laughs> the minute you like listen to a breakup song, you immediately like feel sad and maybe even cry. <laughs> like it's just the emotions and all of the memories are tied to the feelings. So the memory of that experience is tied to the emotions, which means it is ingrained in our body. Most people think that when we think about memory, it's just like in our thinking mind, but no, it's it's held within our body. It's through the feelings and the perceptions that we have that all are kind of like the pathways or the highways within a map. It's just that's the programming in the in the body. And so when it comes to reactions, we may react based on an emotion or a feeling. And those are patterns that we create from past events or situations that we've had that basically are ingrained within our body or our subconscious mind. Very interesting because... If we talk about jealousy in particular, Mm -hmm. we know that this can come about from several different things, but it could be something that happened in your childhood. It could be a relationship with infidelity or a series of relationships with infidelity, but we see it all on the outside, our reactions, the things that we say, the way that we behave, but the root is then most likely that stored the stored memories, the stored feelings Mm -hmm. that are then coming out in reactions. Correct. So how I like to explain it is like, if your audience and everybody listening to us right now thinks of a movie, I want you to do it too. Think of a movie. Give me a movie, any movie. First thing that comes forward. Oh, Top Gun. Top Gun. I just saw it. (laughs) Oh yeah, I want to see it. (laughs) So what is the likeliness? I'm telling the audience too. What is the likeliness that you would give me a movie that you have never seen or experienced? What's likely? Yeah, no. Not possible, right? I wouldn't. Not possible. And so everything that you experience in your life is based on a movie that you've seen and experienced. So the same thing is for our behaviors. All of our behaviors are based upon something we have seen or experienced. (laughs) So those are the events or relationships that have been in our life 
you know, usually the foundation is created in childhood, that imprint, basically something that makes us believe that we are something. So when it comes to jealousy, for example, there tends to be this insecurity, right? This like fear of like, oh my God, why is he looking at her? Or, you know, there's, I can definitely relate to this. When I first started dating my boyfriend, I was like, I got really jealous over someone because I didn't really know him. I thought he was this playboy. And, you know, I immediately get this like feeling rush in my body. And at that moment, I just felt like, am I good enough? Like, am I good enough for him? Like when I really dug deep and looked at it, I realized like it was this like fear of not being good enough. And this came from my childhood. And so this was always whenever I have had uh, some behavioral issues, it always kind of stemmed from the two beliefs that I had a lot about myself of not being good enough or worthy and also feeling like I'm alone. And that's because of my upbringing. And so again, it came from an event or a relationship that occurred, which is like a movie that was basically imprinted upon me and then made me react. You know, I got angry with him. I got irritable. I even was like being really standoffish with him. <laughs> and then later, you know, obviously realizing where it came from. And, you know, he, he was a good guy. Obviously, I'm still with him. So <laughs> yeah, because you had a hard relationship with your mom or a non-existent relationship with your mom. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I had a a very hard relationship with my mom and most of my my stuff because of all that was, you know, feeling like I'm not worthy. Like I just wanted to be accepted by people more than anything. Like I just wanted someone to adopt me, someone to take me in, to give me stability. So right. a lot of the foundation of who I am was really, you know, my deep inner work was really around just feeling worthy and just feeling also that I'm not understanding that I'm not alone, <laughs> but I I felt alone a lot. And so a lot of my patterns came from that. And I didn't realize how that even was projecting out into my relationships. I was in a 15-year relationship as well. And I did not realize until the end of it, <laughs> you know, after I was just in such a dumps in a sense, like I had a good career, yeah. you know, I love this relationship and I was just so miserable. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, this is after med school. And I was like, you know, I'm a doctor. Like, why am I so miserable? <laughs> Until I went to a hypnotherapist. And that's kind of what got me into the field. I realized, wow, I never really looked at my upbringing, my childhood. I never really forgiven my mom. I never really, you know, forgiven myself. And those were the patterns that I was just repeating even in my last relationship. And that was a huge aha moment for me. Right. And then when I entered into my new relationship, I was like, I never want to do that again. I never want to feel like I'm not worthy, right. not good enough alone. And it's a terrible feeling and can really cause a lot of havoc in your life without you even realizing that these things are happening or going on or that you are behaving in certain ways. You don't know what you don't know. And it's like that movie. It's something that you've just been exposed to for so long that you think it's normal. Like you think it's kind of like if you had like anybody that's ever had a tattoo or a vibrating, you know, pen on your arm, at some point it becomes numb. You don't feel it because it's your baseline. Like you think that's just how it is. Mm. And like for me, you know, I never had... I was raised in a pretty dysfunctional upbringing and family, which was broken in a sense. I hate that word, but it was broken in that I did not see what even a healthy relationship looked like. So my movie was very unhealthy in regards to what a relationship looked like. And that was just all I knew. It's just, I thought that that was normal. <laughs> it was my movie until someone else showed me a new one. <laughs> right. The issue is that when two people come together, you're dealing with these two 
completely different perspectives and experiences. And that's why like when I have worked with couples or I work with people, you know, families, like I don't bring them together in the beginning. No way. Because the thing is, there's such different perspectives. So first I want to understand their perspective. Mm -hmm. And then we get clarity on that because it's like you're seeing the world through this lens, right? And every movie is like the lens. And so you can imagine that there's like this purple lens, there's green lens and orange lens. And, you know, looking through all of that, you're going to see the world through your own different perspective or hue. And everybody's like that. Everybody has their own reflection back to their bank of memories to then, you know, perceive the world through. It's very unique for every different person. Mm -hmm. And so that's why even within like a relationship, the issues that one person feels may not be the same as the other person. You know, someone may have jealousy and the other person may not have jealousy. <laughs> they may, the other person may have something completely different. <laughs> right. I talk to a lot of people where there's really no evidence. Their partner is, for all intents and purposes, a good person and they're really trying in the relationship. And it is then kind of the one person who just cannot get over this feeling of jealousy, this extreme of jealousy in this particular relationship. In that case, how would getting hypnotherapy, meditation, all of those modalities, in what ways could that help that person maybe overcome some of that jealousy? With hypnotherapy, there's this level of awareness that gets the door kind of opens up to. So with hypnotherapy, most people think that, oh, hypnosis is about sleeping. No, not at all. It's about waking up. <laughs> when you're going into a hypnosis, it's comparable to meditation. And when you're in a meditation, you're actually more aware. And hypnosis is about really just becoming more aware of all the little parts within you that really are creating whatever the scenario issue is. And so I would say like for someone that's going through an issue with a relationship or having trying to work through some of their jealousy or issues at hand, then they'll just more than anything get a clearer picture of if that's you or if that's them. And just not Take, get bogged down in a sense by the emotions that will cause you to react, which is not the intention of why you're maybe in that relationship. It's empowering to, to be aware of what is it that I needed to do within this relationship to make it better. Even if you're not continuing that relationship, what is it that I kind of contributed so that I don't do this again? <laughs> I love that you said hypnotherapy is about waking up because you're getting more clear and I do find that a lot and certainly in my own experience where if I had a jealous thought or a jealous moment and I was kind of in that state, one of the things that would happen is me wondering, well, is this something that's not okay? Would a quote unquote normal person be okay with this or is it just me because I'm so jealous? And so that hypnotherapy and getting clear on what's really going on, what the situation is, and kind of the role that you're playing in it, I think is so valuable. And I'm glad you brought that up because another thing that could be happening that we may not be fully really aware is that jealousy is being mixed with your intuition and your gut feeling. You know, like we may get a feeling like something's off and we don't, yeah. the thing is we're not trained really, our culture and society is not really trained to really learn how to listen. And I mean, listen to the body and what it's really telling us. So sometimes emotions get really mixed and confused. So since there may be some confusion or at least what people think when they think about hypnotherapy 
Can you walk us through what happens in the sessions? First of all, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So even for those that want to listen and you can do it yourself, um, really, all hypnosis means is that you're just very open for suggestions and a good comparison. It's like when you're sleeping, but you're wide awake and aware that you're sleeping. So if anybody's ever had a lucid dream, it's that state. It takes some time to get relaxed because, again, we're in our head typically. So it's really just making sure that if I'm doing a session with someone, I want to make sure they understand what hypnosis really is. It's self-hypnosis. It really is all you doing it. I cannot control you. I can't make you say or do things you don't want to say or do. Most people think about stage hypnosis or they've seen like a horrible movie that really portrayed hypnosis in the wrong way. I'm like, no, that's not what it is because it's not a control thing. Nobody can control anybody. Yeah. First, to make sure they're very well educated and they understand it's a very natural state that you've been in. Kind of like you driving from one place to another and not remembering like how you got there. You were in a trance or like watching a movie where you're just so ingrained in the characters that you're like, oh, my God, why does Bobby have to leave Sue? And you cry with them or laugh with them. It's that entranced state where you lose time. And so we first educate and then I guide them into that relaxation. And I just verbally talk with them through that guidance, imagery work. And I usually do different techniques depending upon who I'm working with because I can tell, oh, are they really logical minded? and they're thinking a lot? Are they very visual? Are they not very visual? And so there's some components that would determine the induction is what it's called. And so I would take roughly about 20 minutes to get them into a very, very deep, relaxed state. And then once we're there... Then I start to work on what we initially talked about. So let's say it's confidence. So let's say they're like, hey, I want more confidence. You know, I have these things coming up. So what is making them not confident are the emotions that I bring up. That's usually how I start is I bring up parts of them and we start to really look at it, but more on almost an objective way. It's kind of like you can be in an emotion or you can look at emotions. So I I kind of play with this state in a sense where I pull them out so that they can kind of look at the movie and see it. And they get so much awareness by doing that. But it's while you're in that state. (laughs) So, you know, my sessions are pretty long. They're two hours long. And so we spend the rest of the time, an hour and a half, just going back and forth. So people are talking when they're in hypnosis. They're just eyes are closed. They're inward. They're much more just connected with kind of feeling more and being more aware of things and also stepping in and stepping out. And I direct them to start to shift some emotions or beliefs about themselves. And there's many different ways of doing that. (laughs) So, but the session is about two hours long and all that happens within that. That's amazing. Is there a time where you can tell if someone is using their thinking brain in a session? at some point and then absolutely absolutely you can and there's just these subconscious cues that happen when you're in that state you know i pick up on the cues the breathing the just like the way that there's this like there's a shift in the face there's this just like calmness that takes over and you can just the the way that people speak is a bit more um slower and quieter and so you can tell when they're in that state and there's certain ways that they will talk that tell you, ah, you're thinking a lot here. <laughs> or or they're much more lively. There's just this this shift that you can just tell. So it's kind of like it's like going to sleep. So hypnosis is wanting to teeter on that state right before you fall asleep. 
So if you've ever felt yourself falling asleep and then you catch yourself, (laughs) it's that state right there where you're just like kind of in this dreamy but not sleep, almost sleep state. It's called hypnagogic. So we're working within that place right there where the mind is much more open. And that's why, you know, like if you want to talk about the science behind it, it's comparable to a child because the brain waves that a child produces are called theta which is the same brain waves that we produce when we're in meditation, when we're relaxed, when we're sleeping and in REM sleep. And so during those brain waves, we're just very open for creating change. And so that's why hypnosis tends to have a pretty high success in like creating fast. That's why like cigarette smokers know about it, or maybe even like people losing weight. It's just like, it's kind of popular in those realms. <laughs> I don't do those things. I, I specifically focus on more of the emotional dysregulation or self-sabotage. Thank you for walking us through that process because I just wanted people to have a really good idea of what it was like so that they can be aware of why it could be so beneficial to them in trying to heal some of this jealousy that they may be experiencing. Absolutely. And there's, you know, there's meditations out there. And if if anybody has ever meditated before, it's quite similar in that state that we're getting into. I like to say meditations, I mean, hypnosis is like meditation on steroids. Uh, So, you know, the the main difference is that you're much more open for suggestions. And so that like audio, if you're going to listen to a guided meditation, for example, if there's suggestions within it, then, and you're very relaxed and open, then that that's considered hypnosis. Because again, all hypnosis is self hypnosis. I put myself into a trance all the time. (laughs) Like, you know, every night I put myself into a trance. I do hypnosis (laughs) to myself. (laughs) I actually have a YouTube where I have a bunch of free meditations and hypnosis audios if anybody wants to go check it out. So if they're interested in like learning just like what even it is and, and doing it for yourself, I highly encourage it. Like, Listening to good audios before bed, you're very open. Listen to it. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Well, and that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I will definitely point to that in the show notes. Well, gosh, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for talking about this and uh, giving us all the good value today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. I have fallen asleep many nights to Dr. Balkansky's meditation. So I have linked two of them in the show notes. Go grab them there. And until next time, take care and remember you're not alone.